Hey, driver, pull on over. I'm in a fight with God. This Carolina shoulder seems the place I'm getting off. Daddy always told me, never make a home on the road. Why your lady sneaking out and the kids are growing old. That's it. That's all we needed, man. It's all. It's great. Thanks. Thanks, Chase, man. Of course, man. I always love it when a guest opens up the show like that. It's just great. It's fun loving. So we, 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 I think this is the first time we're interviewing somebody outside, which is actually a great studio. That's yeah, not real life, is it? Which is. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got Chase Gallagher on the show here. CMG Landscaping, cmglandscapes.com, C, or, and then landscapingcmg at gmail.com. And find him on Instagram at cmg underscore landscape. You want to share with everybody, Chase, where you're at right now in the world? I am in Chester County, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. Nice. It looks like a beautiful, sunny, blue sky day there right now. Yes, it is. Nothing's turning yet, eh? The weather's not turning. The leaves are not turning just yet. We're on the cusp. Yeah, on the cusp. There's a few few trees starting to get some yellow in them, uh, but but nothing crazy. Nice. So I I, I, I want to just do a quick shout out. I'm wearing Mike's uh, polo shirt this time from Integra Bell. So thanks so much for the shirt. It actually fits nice, man. Thanks so much, Mike. And then I also want to do a shout out to Tools in the Trade Boot Camp. Uh, I love what they're doing. They've been on the show before. We really appreciate how they're educating as many people to get into the trades. And their boot camps are amazing just by sharing and having professionals at these camps, showing the kids that are coming up into the ranks that uh, the trades are viable option and when it comes to your career so guys thank you so much for sending me that note in the mail there i really appreciate it i love that there's so many good things going on with the boot camps and looking forward to the next one so everybody check them out and if you guys are young enough check them out and go to the camp sign up for it so it's going to definitely be worth it for you to do that um over to you now chase uh how long you've been doing the landscape business so i've been in it since i'm 13 and i'm 22 now so what is that nine years nine years you've been in the business why, why, yep. what got you into the business? So I started mowing lawns cause it was kind of like the only thing I knew how to do. I was doing chores for my parents at the time. I, I started at like eight, just doing, you know, random chores around the house. And then, uh, I was getting like maxed out, so to speak. So like my mom was like, listen, I don't, I don't have any more chores for you to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and I was like, well, listen, I need to make more money. So the only thing I knew, you know, other than like cleaning a house or cooking dinner was mowing the lawn and uh so i passed out a bunch of flyers around my neighborhood the first year i think i was actually 12 i was 12 at this point but the first like season um i got two jobs one was a 40 dollar weeding job and the other was a 45 dollar lawn mill were the clients reluctant to give such a young guy work yeah yes they were um what i would do back then manny was actually I would, if they wanted a quote for like a one-time mow, I think my first client knew my age, wanted to test me out, but, um, you know, I, I would almost dodge going out and meeting them on site. I would say, hey, I'll do a drive-by. I'll drive by your house. This was, And most of it was via email. I would do, it would be email. So I wouldn't even have to talk on the phone. They wouldn't hear So they didn't know. Voice. They didn't know you were young. <laughs> right. They just knew the biz, they just knew the name Buzzcut Lawn Care at the time. And they knew my phone number. They probably saw a flyer. And, and, and they would email me and that's how I would do it for the first couple of clients. And then obviously it was a little bit of a shocker when I would show up and it would be like me and like my, a buddy or my brother's buddy that was older that had their licenses to actually drive the vehicle. But it, it ended up working out. I'd show up every single week. And then they were fine with that. And then the word, I guess at that point it was just word of mouth. The word started getting around the neighborhood. Yeah, word of mouth, I, I, you know, after like the first year, so I was like 12, I had those two jobs over the summertime. Then when I got to 13, I was like, I really want to start making more money. I'm serious about this. So I passed out thousands of flyers and got my first 10 or 12 weekly lawn mowing clients, uh, traded the, the family tractor in. It was like a little riding tractor uh, and bought a 42-inch zero turn. And that's when I got serious about it and um, like started growing the business. But so going back to referrals and stuff, after my first season, I had a couple thousand dollars saved up. I spent twelve hundred dollars on a website for Buzzcut Lawn Care, and my guy did his, his SEO. And then you know, as I went from thirteen to fourteen, 
going into the new season, it was like I was did the flyers a bunch, and I also had this new website up and running, which got me a ton of leads. Can I ask you, Chase? Like, um, did anybody help you get this started? Like, when you first started the the bus cut business, and you figured, okay, first thing I got to do is I got to get flyers done, right? So, how am I going to get flyers done? What's that cost? What's that going to cost me? And then, what am I going to charge? And what's the rate of return on those flyers for the jobs that I get? Were you thinking these grocery lists and thinking about how to do this stuff? So, no, I, I knew like I was you know, very step-by-step. Step. I didn't know what I was doing per se. I just saw, I was following Geek to Freak on YouTube way back then. I don't know if you know who yeah, he is. Yeah, I know you're talking about, yeah. Okay, so he was like out of Chicago or Illinois or something, and I was like watching him in class and after class, be like, oh, I can do the same thing. So I emailed him, asked him for his flyer. I took his flyer and we edited it to say Buzz Cut Lawn Care with our pricing and my phone number. I copy and paste and then what i would do is my mom had you know she's she's always had a corporate job so she would stay late like once a week back in february and march and print out like thousands of these flyers out <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> and and bring them and bring them home and then i'd sit there like after dinner like in the winter time in february and just roll them up rubber band them and we had all these garbage bags in the basement and i pre like loaded thousands of flyers so that as it you know as we got into March is when I started slinging them on uh, mailboxes. And then, so my parents at the time would come home from work, they'd get their whole thing done and we'd go out at like eight thirty nine, And I would just hang out of the passenger door window and just put them into, uh, uh, like not into mailboxes, but I'd open up the little red piece and put them right on top of that. So how many flyers did you first print out that first run there? And how many jobs did you get from that bunch? So I can't remember specifics because it was over like multiple runs, but like I passed out easily, easily between 8,000 and 12,000 flyers my first season. And I'm talking, I started in mid-February and I went all the way through to June and any, like any time I had extra time and my parents had extra time and it was like, which was like between 8.30 and 10.30, we would just go out and I would just boom, boom, boom. Or I'd go for a walk in my own neighborhood and like bring a couple flyers. Um, and I, and I got like, you know, let's say 25 calls my first spring season and I landed with, you know, 10 to 15 weekly lawn mowing clients. Wow. And then do you know that it was all going to pay off for you? Like when you were handed out or were you like going through the winter and just keep on walking up to all these different houses and going, okay, this might be one. Okay. Maybe this one's one. Maybe this one's one. I would do every single house. I had no idea the return. I just knew Geek to Freak back then said he would pass out 100 flyers. He would get two calls, and he would land one of those calls. So in my head, I was a kid that was thinking big. Dude, I wanted 50, 100 lawn care clients You know, first season. I'm going to hire all my buddies' friends. We're going to bang this out over weekends and after school. Um, but I had nowhere the success rate as, as he did, I think, obviously, because of my age. And... Um, but, you know, I got, let's say, 25 calls out of the five, eight, ten thousand 10,000 flyers I passed out. That's awesome. And that was the beginning. So you did that for a few seasons? Yeah, so I did that 13, 14, and 15. As I got to be, like, like 14 or 15, I think I was, like, 15, I had, you know, enough cash from last season to do, um, like, like, actual printed out flyers that you pay a company to do. So what I would do is spend five grand on like literally 15, 25,000 flyers in February. So they would get mailed to me. I would sit at home and it was like a professionally printed flyer. I'd sit at home and on the, on the um, U.S. Post Office website, you can click routes and it shows you in like household income, blah, 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 blah. So I try to pick the best zip codes, do the best I can. And then you rubber band like 800 of these flyers together, like in a stack. You print out the sheet, take it to the post office, and you just drop off all these stacks. And so that's what I got into. I did that from like, let's say, 14, 15 to 17. And then I realized my ROI. Like, then I started becoming business savvy. And we obviously built some sort of like word of mouth and stuff like that. And I stopped doing that because the ROI was not there. So, Chase, I'm curious if you can share it. Like, how did you come up with your price, your value to actually mow the lawn? 
based on you were getting a huge discount to begin with because mo your mom was helping you out right with the with the, getting the flyers copied then and then you were doing all the legwork literally delivering everything and then you had to figure out okay so what is my magic number i need to do this work it's going to take this long i need a mower i need fuel i, I got to maintain it i got to get rid of clippings if i have to get rid of or whatever right so how did you come up with your numbers so I was doing a lot of like, I, I would just kind of copy what Geek the Freak was doing slash my market. I would hear one or two things. Um, and at this time, I had no friends in the industry. Uh, I had literally my experience on how to mow a lawn and Geek the Freak on YouTube. Um, at the time, it was really just a guessing game. I started out at $35 a lawn mow. Um, and then like, I think I, you know, by the time I was 14, 15, I was up to like 45. And in my three, four neighborhoods, five neighborhoods, we were mowing it was pretty much all quarter acre lots with some of them had bigger houses on them than others. But, um, that's what I was doing. And then we'd have these off shoots of like an acre plus, And I, like, I know I, I had one at like 65, um, per mo. So it was honestly, there was no pricing formula to it. It was, I would just eye it up. be like, okay, I think that's a $65 lawn mo. Like, <laughs> you know, and that, and that was that. No, but we all did that. That's how we all got started. We were just, okay, that kind of, feels right that's the number that it should be but now you're in the game for three four years and now you're starting to understand roi now you're starting to understand investing into your own self and the business and how did you start concluding that kind of grocery list so what i started realizing so let's so i had this lawn mowing business between 13 and 16 Obviously, I didn't have my driver's license, so I relied on other people's help to uh, drive the truck and do things like that. And so it, it was a little like I had to keep it small because I only had so many so much bandwidth. So I had like 15 to 18 clients. As soon as I got my driver's license, 16 and a half, I convinced my mom to let me do online high school. And literally, I had my truck. I had saved all this money. I bought this Dodge Ram truck that was like 22 grand. And I thought like I was the shit. And um what was the question? <laughs> How did you start becoming oh, business, like yeah, business yeah. savvy? Yeah. Yep. So I had that website, Manny, that helped me tremendously. I put 1200 and then it was like 150 a month. And, and I realized, all right, I'm getting calls from my website. This is great. Nice. Um, and then, and then, so that, that helped. And then I just realized like I'm spending six to seven grand a, a spring on these flyers and I'm getting five, maybe 10 calls landing two to three clients it just it, i was losing money and um so i just i just knew to exit out of anything that was losing me money and i also started these yard signs so i'm doing my youtube university i'm looking at what other guys are doing and i they started talking about yard signs and i'm like i'm gonna try this it was like 500 to order 25 30 yard signs and same thing in the spring i got savvy i was 16 and a half 16 i said i'm not going to do the flyers this season i already got a couple clients and I passed out dozens or I put out dozens of these yard signs across my service area. And literally, like, we got tons of calls from it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to. So I ordered another batch and did a second batch later in the, in the spring season. And a little tangent here. I later became connected with some of the guys that, like, are in my community that been in the industry for years. And they saw all my signs from, like, literally stop sign to stop sign to stop sign. So it made them think, who is this buzz cut kid? And then when like one guy would, I would chat and get to know one guy, he would talk to his buddies like, yeah, my buddy always wondered who's this buzz cut guy. And then like, just from that is how I started building like my, these relationships within the industry. Kind of crazy how, how the world works. No, I love it, man. And just, I, I'm also curious on how, when did you finally discover the magic of referrals and start realizing, leaving that lasting impression and basically getting more sales for not doing anything other than being you. I love how you said that, Manny. <laughs> um, I think early in business, I'm not really a smart guy. It, I'm not like a, I'm a blonde haired person. So people have to tell me like, here's how to go from A to Z and ABC. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't put things together. So the whole referral thing probably took me a little while to like fully understand now, Manny, I'm, I'm like, now I fully understand it. And I give clients stuff for free. We'll do extras. And, and they, they love you because of that. Um, 
but it took me a little while. But let's say, you know, 17, 18, I, I, I had been in business for a couple of years. The name was buzzing. And so I got tons of calls in the springtime when, when our demand is so big. And, and I just, you know, relied on that. That's awesome to hear. And then, okay, so now you're you're into the game. You're into the shit now. You're, you're understanding the business. You're seeing that this is a viable option for you, right? I'm sure your folks are probably thinking, hey, the kid's actually doing well. He's actually, you know, got a, got a truck now, earned it himself, picked it up himself, right? So he's actually doing well. And then at what point did you realize, let's start CMG now? Like when did you, when you started thinking bigger? Right. That... That started, so long story short, I was like 16 and a half. I had my own business, and one of my brother's buddies came to us in the spring time. I was like, yo, my boss needs help. Can you help us Like on some spring cleanups? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm always trying to learn. I was the hustler. My brother, not so much, but I needed I think I was 15 at the time. It was some, it, yeah, I was still in school, and I, we used to convince my mom to let us stay home from school so we could go to work. And, uh, <laughs> And so anyways, we'd go help this guy named Wes and, you know, I established a relationship with him. He owned his own business, had owned his own thing for 20 plus years, a uh, smaller outfit. And long story short, I, I built a relationship with him via working for him. And through when I became 16 and a half, got my own license, I had my clientele that I would do on Mondays and Tuesdays. And then I'd go work for him the rest of the week and whatever he needed. And when we'd be driving the truck from property to property. He would just say little things. He'd be like, yeah, I've always wanted to get rid of this lawn mowing. There's no money in it. Just do project-based stuff. He had this compact tractor. And so basically I got around that guy, another guy, Ryan in the industry, and and they always just basically, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but they would shit on, on lawn mowing. And I just picked that up. And by the time I was 18, I was like, wait a minute, I can probably make 150 grand every spring doing spring cleanups and projects with me and one or two other guys via I make that all season lawn mowing lawns. And I was like, I'm, I'm willing to just get rid of lawn mowing and see if I can make a hundred grand in the spring. And, and so that's how it all started. I got rid of my lawn mowing. I one like one fall, I was 17 or it was like 18 or 19. I was 18 or 19. Um, and I made that decision. So I was probably 18 going on to 19 because my birthday is February 15th. Sold my lawn list in the winter time got five grand for that. It was a list of like 35 clients. And then I sold all my equipment, got 15 to 18 grand from all that two mowers and a trailer. And I put that cash into a dump trailer. And I also bought a compact landscape tractor. Were you all in chase? Like, were you just like, I'm done. Like this is the next step. Were you not nervous that you're selling your list, you're selling your machinery and you're like, I'm moving on now. I'm going to other things. Like, were you completely hundred percent confident that this was the right step? I think I was, I was confident. Okay. Um, and again, I was living at home. So I was like, it's not like I had mortgage and kids. Like I was always, I've always been a saver. So I had cash set aside in case, you know, whatever, like, so I was all in. I went all in, and I was like, I'm going to try it. I have nothing to lose. And so that's what I did, Manny. I just went, yeah, I guess I went all in. You just went all in, right? I, w I want to backtrack a tiny bit. So since you left the lawn, but you didn't really leave the lawn business because you now have, you're still doing lawns incorporated with your landscaping business, right? So it's tied still to it. But when you were mowing lawns, what was your go-to machine that you loved? And then did it last? Did it break down? How did you manage when things were actually needing maintenance maintenance and stuff like that? Yeah. So just so we're clear, we don't, I, my company does not mow any lawns. I don't own a lawn mower now, um, yeah. but we do right now. Right. But we do, like you just said, we work on people's lawns and, and we'll build new lawns. We'll, we'll, um, but anyways, my first real investment was like one or two things. It was a five bite trailer from Lowe's that I paid $750 for. I bought a piece of plywood the same day and we went home and me and my mom drilled this bolt. So we bolted the thing down. I had no idea how to do this. She was like, I can handle it. I could. <laughs> so that's what we used. That's what we used to get this tractor from lawn to lawn. And my brother got an SUV at the time and I paid $400 for U-Haul to put a hitch on it. And that's how we got around. That's it. Um, and then the first, what's that? No, and that's it. That's how it was. Dude, that's how I got started. 
What what about maintaining it? What about maintaining it and making sure that it was always going to be making you money? What I've learned over the past few years is that when we're using technology, it highly improves our everyday operations, both in our personal life and in our businesses, especially when we're talking about landscaping and lawn care. Going digital simply improves efficiency, saves us tons of time, prevents mistakes, and overall makes our lives easier as managers and for our employees as well. How? Because communication is key to getting operative things done right. This is why I've partnered with Connect Team, a software that has more features than you can imagine to manage, operate, communicate, and train for your team. For us managers out there, Connect Team's desktop version gives you a live overview of your business at any time to track work hours, track that reports are accurate and meet compliance, and that the schedule is correct, to name a few. Now, for your landscaping and lawn care teams, they can just download the app to their mobile to easily clock in and out, send shifts, get updates, everything they need in one place at the click of a button. They've got everything they need to perform at their best. Connect Team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial. Try them out today by checking out the link in the show notes. So the maintenance, I, I was not a like expert on. I didn't have parents that like were handy at all, both corporate individuals, both, you know, didn't really, aren't handy people. And uh, But I bought the zero turn from Frames, which is a lawnmower supply store right down the street from us. And that was the first big purchase. It was like $2,000 or $2,500. I had a $400 credit from the lawnmower that I had. And I just remember like one day I brought the lawnmower in the garage from mowing and it had a nail in the tire and I uh. freaked out because the tire was going flat. I had no idea how to fix it at the time. Now we would just plug it, right? Of course. But I called up my supply. I called up my lawnmower guy and I'm like, he's like, oh, I'll just, just swing in. I'll fix it. I'm like, okay. So he did that. And then like after the whole season was done, my parents would be like, you know, oh, are you going to get it serviced? Who's going to service it? And I was like, all right. So I probably have to get it serviced. Well, that was 400 bucks. And I, you know, so that's how I would do my maintenance in the beginning was just pay, pay the dealer to do it. So now with CMG, you, you're playing with bigger toys now, right? You've got bigger projects, bigger clients, like just ideas. Um, do you still look back and go, man, this like, this really just started with a flyer. Like this just started as simply as you possibly can think of. Right. Yeah, people think it's it's complicated and and all this, and it just takes time and, and effort and hard work, honestly. Like, and you can you can do anything. Um, but yeah, now we have a lot bigger equipment. I got a skid steer, John Deere compact tractor. I got trucks, dump trailers, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm always envious of you landscape hardscape guys, man, because you guys always have the biggest tools in the toolbox and bigger tools just means more maintenance, means more care, means more uh, bigger projects, possibly a little bit of risk here and there. But it's like are you, you're not intimidated by any of that. No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But, you know, I think as you level up or a lot of times as you level up, you don't realize what you're bringing on Manny. Yeah. And so like a skid steer, you know, you know, you have to go out and get it. You're doing projects. The rentals are costing you money. Uh, but you don't realize that like a service from Bobcats, eight, 900 bucks or whatever. But like now I have my team do our own oil changes, but like you just don't realize what you're getting into. You, you figure it out as you go by paying money, right? You, you, you learn a lesson. Um, and then you just next year going forward, you say, all right, that's going to be in my overhead. These, these trucks, I know they're going to need so many oil changes, so many tires, so many registrations. And now it's all in our, in our numbers. What's chase. I'm curious. What's the, um, I guess what's the one sentence that you want clients to be left with after you do a job for them? If I had to put it to a sentence, I just want to, I just would want them. And again, my, my grammar is like, um, not good, but like, I would just want them to be saying something along, Hey, CMG was amazing to work with the customer service, the time, uh, getting back to us was amazing. And then our finished pro project was beautiful and, and how they executed it was beautiful as well. And those, what I just told you, Manny, were a, a bunch of things that my clients have said to me. Um, but you know, something like that. And then how many guys you got working for you now? Who's on the crew? My team's a total of eight people. So there's myself, there's my office manager, Corey, and then there's my project manager, Wes. And then I have five people uh, below him that works in the, in the two crews. So how did you find your team, Chase? Like, how did you network and get all these people together and build your team? 
Great question, Manny. So I mentioned that guy named Wes that I used to work for. Yeah. Well, long story short, I worked for him till I was like 17 and a half or something like that. And he had enough of owning his own business, sold his company, went and worked for a way bigger outfit. I stayed in touch with him and I'd actually hire him on the weekends to help me with these bigger landscape style projects. And, um, and so long story short, he got frustrated one winter, worked for this other guy. I brought him on. So I hired from my top down. I hired my project manager, gave, gave him like a salary, like all these types of benefits. And I was like, yo, dude, your responsibility is to find the labor force that's going to do the work. And that was like in his contract. And he's like, okay, okay. And lo and behold, dude, it was like literally me at the time. Like this is middle of winter. I have no guys working for me. I had high, two high schoolers the, the summer before. And he came on board. I had like one or two projects sold. And that's how we did it. He found one guy, Victor, who's now my foreman. And then Victor brought on another guy because we were in dire need named Francisco. And like, that's how it just got, it got built up. So I, I love that you guys, like I've always, I love that trade landscaping and hardscaping because you guys are always outside, beautiful blue sky, just how we're doing the interview right now, which is great. But you also, you know, you're one employee that's always there and she's always quiet but she can be real mean, is Mother Nature. Mother Nature has a say in what happens with CMG. And so I'm just curious, how do you deal with that relationship with Mother Nature? Man, that's a great question. So how <laughs> I personally deal with it on the back end of the business is, like, I, I have my, I know in my um, area of the world, we have 200 to 215 available working days within my 365 days a year. Those are the days that CMG can actually perform work. And what's included in that is rain days, snow days, or, or whatever the situation is. It's mainly rain days. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it sucks, Manny, uh, with Mother Nature. But obviously, we love Mother Nature. It's just that some days Mother Nature doesn't want us getting done this patio today. And, and it is what it is. So... I just, I, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, I just, I get it. You just got to go with it. It's almost like you, you put your hands up and you just like, there's no reason to fight her. There's just every reason to kind of bring her in. She's a part of the equation. That's all it is. And you guys can still work. There's certain elements during certain, you know, weather days that you can still work, but then there's like some downtime where it's just maybe too extreme, too cold, too snow, too wet, whatever it is. And then you kind of just shut it down. And, but I'm sure that you guys are also probably think of, okay, what else can we do while we can still do something here? Like we're here, we can do something. Maybe we can pop a tent and we can work on this section of the patio. We can work on that section or what have you. There's always something that let, this is when I guess the wheels get spinning and that's when it starts to improve the efficiency of the business. Is that how you, you see it as well? I think you're hundred percent right, Manny. Like between December, January and February, I worked a ton on my business and not just in my business. Um, and I'm trying to pull that more in now. Like I'm trying to just work from my desk at home, uh, even in the season. But, uh, yeah, like, like that's what I say. Like it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause it's like, all right, we don't have 12 full months of just revenue generating months. I have my big spring months and then I have my slow months, January, February, July, and August. Those are my four slow months of the year. Um, and it's really time to reflect, recalibrate, and like come back even harder. Chase, so I'm curious, at what point do you start evaluating your business? Because you've established it, you're growing it, you've got your workforce, you've got your overhead, you've got your business nut. Um, but when do you start pulling the trigger and start realizing, hang on a sec, based on my, my own assessment of my business, we got to start increasing prices here. We got to start making a little bit more money because we're not operating at our optimal. So how do you evaluate that increase in your sales numbers? I think, and that's an amazing question, Manny. I feel like a lot of guys in my industry and probably yours, they don't think like this at all. What, what clicked in my head one winter, I was listening to a podcast about overhead and I knew like, you know, I did not know my true overhead number. Yeah. And so it was one winter I was sitting down listening and I was like, all right, well, let me calculate my overhead. And I literally got a, a paper and pen out. It was like salaries are this much truck payments, skip, you know, and insurances and marketing and t-shirts and hats and uh, fuel and 
all these things add up and it's like, oh, I have a couple hundred thousand dollars of overhead every year that I need to cover every day we work. And then the other light bulb comes off. Oh, well, I only have 200, 215 working days. So my overhead every day isn't 500. It's 1500. It's 1800. And so that's what that's once I realized that many, I was going into a new season. I was I had so much fear in me because I'm like, I don't know if we're going to make it. Like, I don't know if people are going to pay these prices. Am I going to be able to like employ my team if no one's hired us? And I just a couple weeks kept pounding the same price and same pricing. It was like this new adjusted pricing. So I could actually make money. And like that was that yeah, was two years ago. So we were, we're rocking and rolling. But that's that's how I that's how I look at the uh, the pricing of my business. And then how often do you make that assessment? How often are you going during the course of the year? You're looking at things and going, OK, hang on a sec. We got to look at this again. Once a year, I Once sit down January or December or over Christmas time get that piece of paper out and I just, I know my salaries. I know this. I, and we have an Excel spreadsheet somewhere like within our Google docs, but, um, once a year, I recalibrate. Do you chase, do you look at some, because I know that in every trade and every business, there's the hard jobs, there's the easy jobs, there's the money jobs, but do you look at them the same way that a lot of other trades and their business running practices look at them where sometimes the hard jobs don't necessarily make you the money but they teach you quite a few lessons sometimes the money jobs teach you how to be more efficient you know what i mean and sometimes the other jobs that are just running the business are actually attracting opportunity so like are you seeing the opportunities doesn't matter if it's like a negative or a positive you're just understanding that okay it's a hard job i get it we're in the shit but What's the lesson? You know what I mean? Right. So how I look, yeah, dude, you're, you're speaking my language, brother. You're speaking it. So like what we do is, is the, the spring cleanups, right? Are smaller size jobs, 1200 to 5,000 bucks are spring cleanups. And it's like, I got such a big crew with a lot of overhead at this point that it's like, it might not like make sense for me to attract and keep doing those. But I know it will, we'll do an amazing spring cleanup. My guys will bang it out. And then I know that, you know, I'm going to specifically make sure that person, that client knows we do hardscaping, drainage, landscape, lighting, all our other services. And then it gives us a chance to get on site, get our yard sign out front of their, their house, you know, for a week and, and that can bring in other, other stuff. And then, so like, that's a project where we still make money. It's an in and out. It's probably not the best type of project for the size of my team. Um, and then there's other stuff like any job with a skid steer, like, like we did a regrading of a whole backyard like last week or two weeks ago. And the machine did all the work, right? My guys had to first straw down and seed down and da 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 Like literally, uh, if you have a great operator, those are our money jobs. Anything between 16 and 55, 50 Gs, those are our money jobs. We could be in and out in a week and, you know, it, it, it pays the bills and then some. So I love those jobs. Excuse me. But those jobs aren't every week. That's my goal, though. But your goal as the business owner, your balance, it's a balancing act. You're just looking at how to keep the hours as busy as possible, get the crew as busy as possible, but also to be as efficient as possible too, right? 100%. Yes, efficiency is key. I'm always paying attention to that because you got eight people running around, hours going, money coming out. You, you want to like make sure you guys aren't, aren't messing around. Are you Chase? Are you off the tools yet? Or are you still on the tools? Are you still folk? Are you focusing mostly on just running the business these days? I'm focused mostly on running the business and doing the sales. So I'm doing all the marketing. We do a lot of organic marketing for my social media. I'm doing all like some of the back end stuff. Just I'm like following up. I'm like, you know, you have 15 estimates sent out in a week or two, and you just got like couples trying to decide this and this and well, what about this and. So I'm like in there getting answers through and, and pushing that needle forward for each project so I can collect that project deposit check and get them on my schedule. Are you at the point, Chase, where you're like um, clients are always asking for you to be on job sites? Like they want to see you there all the time? No, they don't. They, they don't say that. My project manager is the guy that's on site throughout the day managing my crews. Um so a lot of them love Wes and they say that. And so I want Wes to be that guy. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want my clients to request me because then it, then it limits my um, freedom and, and my availability for other things. 
I guess if they're requesting you, there might be a slight problem at that point. Right. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to get into the nitty gritty, man, of like why you love landscaping, hardscaping and just being outdoors. Are you are there particular pavers that you love working with style? What's the trends? I want to get into all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question again, I started this business when I was 13. It was the only thing I knew how to do. As I've grown in business from 13 and now, I think I've realized I love the act of business. It's not necessarily installing a paver patio. Now, what I will say is I love taking a crappy concrete, old, overgrown thing and putting in a beautiful brand new tackle block patio. I don't do the work. I love the before and after. I love solving my clients' problems and I love doing it efficiently and profit and properly. Um, so hopefully that answers your question. It does, but yeah, but I mean, what do you guys, what are they liking? I'm just trend wise. What are clients asking for these days? What are they, are they going with large pavers right now? Are I, I'm kind of seeing a, a slight resurgence when I actually noticed that I think it was either Unilock or somebody actually finally introduced a European style cobblestone. So the smaller ones, the wedge cut ones, the ones that old school Europeans would be using granite pieces where you're using light or dark granite. And I'm starting to see that in the States and I'm seeing it in Canada as well. But for many, many years in the last decade or so, it was always larger format pavers, like almost almost like a two foot size, like a two foot rectangle. And and I'm like, okay, so are our clients changing their mind? Are they like, they're looking at other options now because everybody in the neighborhood is doing the same thing or are they just, they're going along with everybody. So what we do here in the Philadelphia main line is there's really two options or two like trends. There's the all natural stone walkways, right? That we're piecing together or there's like that natural blue therma that's like, three different sizes. It's natural stone that's kind of like pre-cut almost. So there's like the natural look because we have like stone houses, farmhouses, and like mainline, like it's called like mainline money type of houses. They're like old homes that have, you know, been redone and things like that. And those homeowners want to stick with that look. And then you have like the other 75% of the mainline, which is new McMansions, newer houses, new townhomes, and they want the modern look. They want the techo block modern gray paver it's a three-piece set um they have like you know three pieces about this big this big and then it's like a, a more skinny rectangle and what we do a lot of is like a light modern gray and then like an onyx black border is what it's called it's more of like a dark dark gray but that's what it's called so it's it's two looks the modernness for like the, those types of homes and then you got like the natural stone old money look and then you guys are, are you guys sealing it? Are clients asking for all those to be sealed or they just want it to weather on their own? So we do, we'll do the poly sand. Not many of my clients ask for the seal it. We've done like three sealed patios this season, last season, none. So um, the sealant is, is kind of wishy-washy. Depends on what they want. Well, cause it's kind of like you almost have to seal it every weekend at that point. Like it's just like, if you really wanted to have that wet look and stay that wet look, then it's like, you got to treat it all the time where I'm of the mind, let it age, let mother nature. She's still tackling it. Let her do what she's going to do to it and just enjoy it. Right. Weathered, weathered stone is just as beautiful as it was first laid. Right. It just, as long as it's not dipping and dropping or whatever the story is moving. Right. right. It still works really well. Like I actually think it looks even better sometimes at that point, instead of having to try to keep it pristine clean and just like nobody's ever used it. Right. Yeah. I, I do like that look when it's like still intact, but there's maybe some moss or yeah, something. And, yeah, exactly. Know, yeah. Right. So I, I just want to ask you a question because you're you're in the business here. But uh, what's the secret to the best lawn, man? Like, what is the ultimate secret? What's the holy grail secret to the best lawn ever? So it depends on your objective. If you're starting a brand new lawn, let's say you just got a new house built. I would recommend just putting inside and that's going to be your best bet for instant lawn. If the secret is like you already have an established lawn, it's just there's like weeds throughout and and not that much grass, then my recommendation, and I'm I'm not like a, a grass growing expert per se, that would be a fertilizing company. But what I say to my clients is say, Hey, here's a couple of referrals to some fertilizing clients. 
they'll fertilize your, your property for a season or two, and it will it will slowly turn over into a beautiful lush green lawn. Um, it, if you want to get into specifics, I would say you know, again, if you want a beautiful like lawn, your best bet is sod. We'll prep the whole thing, install all new sod. You put you keep sprinklers on it; it's going to look beautiful. Or if you're going to go the seed route. Um, and like, say you got shade spots, or maybe it's more spotty. I would use a product called Pen Mulch with your seed, and it's not straw, but it almost looks like chicken feed. You throw it down like chicken feed, and it's like a starter fertilizer, and that works extremely well. I didn't know that one. Okay, that's cool. And then I, I wanted to get a better idea. So you're also handling retaining walls. You're handling all kinds of stone. Are uh, are you doing? Yeah. Are you working fire pits and and all kinds of? Are you, are you getting into the carpentry? Are you do, getting into gazebos and like things like that? So we haven't gotten into to the carpentry like decks and gazebos. Um, we've designed a few projects like that. If we do get those projects, we're just gonna sub that sub it portion yeah. of it out. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense yeah. at that point, right? So where do you see Chase? Yeah. I mean, you've been at it for a decade now. Where do you see the business going? Where do you want it to go? So I would like to you know, continue to expand. I think what I want to do is stick to what we do now. I was thinking about getting into pools and thinking about doing this. And I think like it's just pools are an expensive learning lesson no matter who you are. and You know what I mean? And so it's like that's what I've come to learn. So I think I want to stick to my like hardscaping. Like I know my profit centers. I know the services that I that I can make money at. I just want to continue. Like, I want to do more of it. That's what I want to do is a lot more of it. So that's going to be on West now. He's going to actually try to figure out more crews, hire more workforce, and then just that'll give you opportunity to get more clients and expand. So now instead of one job or two jobs per day, you're sending them out onto four or five jobs. What I've learned over the past few years is that when we're using technology, it highly improves our everyday operations, both in our personal life and in our businesses especially when we're talking about landscaping and lawn care. Going digital simply improves efficiency, saves us tons of time, prevents mistakes, and overall makes our lives easier as managers and for our employees as well. How? Because communication is key to getting operative things done right. This is why I've partnered with Connect Team, a software that has more features than you can imagine to manage, operate, communicate, and train for your team. For us managers out there, Connect Team's desktop version gives you a live overview of your business at any time. To track work hours, track that reports are accurate and meet compliance and that the schedule is correct, to name a few. Now, for your landscaping and lawn care teams, they can just download the app to their mobile to easily clock in and out, send shifts, get updates, everything they need in one place at the click of a button. They've got everything they need to perform at their best. Connect Team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial. Try them out today by checking out the link in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be a blessing of 10 or 25. I want to yeah. be the, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, it's endless. So, yeah, so as we grow, I think I think in project-based, and I don't know your background, if you have maintenance contracts or, the, or if you're in a project-based business, in project-based, you have to be extremely careful. And I've gotten hooked up on this. And who's ever listening, if you're going to do strictly project-based, you need to be extremely careful not to overhire. If you have a maintenance company, that's doing commercial and you're trying to do these project-based stuff then you can balance out the hours but what i've come to learn is we've built an extremely efficient and like just just like like a like a like a um a grinder like we'll just chew up work you know what i'm saying and so you got to make sure you got the sales and the marketing and the lead gen to keep that uh funnel filled so with that with that being said of expanding I would like to get my work booked out for months before we start adding like a third or fourth crew. It's a smart move at that point, right? Because you know that you're just preparing for it instead of just expanding for the sake of expansion. Right. Right. And, and my next hire, I would love to be, and I'm looking for someone. So if you're located in the Chester County, Pennsylvania or surrounding areas, and you're an experienced salesperson within project-based work, that's my next hire. I'm looking for someone to take over my day-to-day -day responsibility. Where are you going to head to? going to head to the golf course or what? Is huh. <laughs> like you're reading my mind, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to head to the golf course. I'm going to head to like the social media aspect of it and just hunt, like hound down on my business's social media. 
Um, I'm going to be more of a numbers guy, office guy, things like things like that. And and a networker, I would become like a lead generator, like you said. Go to the golf course, dude. I love meeting new people and smiling and having great conversations. And like that's what I would love to do on a day to day basis. Just meet more people and build a relationship with them. So you got Chase. You got your own podcast going on as well, right? You just got started doing it. Yep. What was uh? What was it? You or was it somebody else that kind of just threw it at you and go? You should start a podcast. So it's actually on my buddy's uh, podcast, uh, Kyle Landwehr. I went on his podcast. We've been buddies. I flew back out there, um, whatever it was, a month or two ago. It was on his podcast. And I'm like, all right, well, if he's doing one, I, like, I'm going to do one. And that's when I you know, found the right videographer with the studio local to me. And, and that's when I started mine. And what's the name of your podcast? We don't have a name yet. I'm thinking CNG interviews, or I, I want to think of something better than just that. Like, I don't know. Manny, if you have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> I, I'm busy enough just organizing mine and putting all mine together. It's a whole other job at that point. You're going to realize that real quick. How many episodes are you yeah. just, you haven't done any yet? You haven't, you've just done the one show? We've pre filmed three okay. episodes. I want to get to five before. Or we actually launched the Launch. first one. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's my plan. What, what were you guys talking about on the shows on those three shows? So the one was hard money. Um, I'm I'm blanking out on the first one, um, but we really talked about business. So I want to bring on other service based business owners: HVAC, plumbing, electrical, any service fertilizing. I'm trying to get my buddy. Keith to get on mine, but like these older dogs in the industry, they're not like you, Manny. They don't want to get on camera. And it's like, dude, we're not going to like, you're not going to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to ask you some fertilizer questions. What are they <laughs> What are they nervous about? Everyone's just nervous about saying something that's just going to get stuck out there on, on Cyberland? I think so. And they don't understand it. They don't, you know, it's, it's a world that they probably fully don't understand. And they've seen these guys get canceled. But I'm a person where it's like I know the words coming out of my mouth, and I know I'm not going to say anything crazy. So it's like, put me on these podcasts, man. <laughs> yeah. I I just did it as a like I just explained to them, like when I was on the job site, we would have these conversations. We would just talk, like we would just talk. We knew that the camera's not rolling. Everybody had their smartphone. Everyone's photographing and taking videos of their work that they were doing, but nobody was documenting the conversations that were happening. And I thought there was a lot more value in the conversation and what was being shared than actually the work itself, because that conversation was shaping the next job and so on. Right. So then I just finally said, okay, forget it. Like here, let's start a show. I didn't start with video, but it, it actually makes a lot of sense today to start with video. I started with audio and did that for hundreds of shows. And then finally said, okay, well, a lot of people were asking me, they wanted to see what that person looked like. They wanted to get a better sense of that person. Plus we started adding more components of interactivity so it's like, you know, you started talking about specifics, like you start talking about the business and hard copies about their spreadsheets and their contracts. And then you're like, you know what? Now you got to start seeing things. It literally became a classroom. Now it's just becoming some sort of master class when it comes to construction. And then you start showing people that there's value in here. And I think like it won't be hard for you, Chase, to get these guys to understand the value that's associated with the skills that they have and how they're not really sharing this information in fear of losing work in the future. They're not. They're building right. their network, just like how you said it. This, this is really about building our networks. That's all it is. We all want to hang out with like-minded individuals that really care about what we love doing on a day-to-day, -day, right? So it's like once they grasp that, they'll forget about the ego, about, oh, I don't look good on camera, and I don't know what to say or how to say it. They'll get rid of all that crap. And they're just like, listen, man, you're on a job site. We're just talking. That's all we're doing. It's as simple as that. Then they'll exactly. come. They'll come knocking. Trust me. So, Manny, you, you've done hundreds of episodes on your podcast. What are you doing on the back end? Is there any form of making money off this podcast? Or what do you do? Yeah, I mean, we crossed 400 not too long ago. So it's like it's been a long haul. And uh, I, I always joke because I do the math, right? So it's, it, technically speaking, if someone were to start listening to my show, uh, they would need over 31 days straight to hear every single show. So I just started thinking, okay, it's basically a university now. This is like an education because it's not I was the smartest person in the room. 
I always brought the smartest people into the room and then we just start conversing. We start talking, right? Yeah, of course I'm monetizing the show. I've got advertisers that are coming on board and they're sponsoring the show. It's just, it's inevitable. It's just going to happen. If you build a following and you've got content out there and it's connecting and it's resonating with people, I think the first thing that you have to do is understand that you ain't going to make money out of the gate. It's just a fact. It's no different. Like you, you had to make all those walks and you had to roll all those flyers and nobody was paying you for that. You weren't making money off of any of that. So it's like if you want to start a podcast, you're going to have to do a lot to start seeing a difference. And then then people will start noticing you. Right. So it has it's like we all know this. You start researching all kinds of top podcasts that you may listen to or people that you look up to. And it's like it's not show number one. It's not show number two. Like I, I do love getting compliments of people that find my show and listen to the show and they listen to the most recent show. But then all of a sudden they tell me I went back to the very beginning, started listening to the earlier shows. And I know they are, I know that they're listening to the earlier shows because there's valuable information there. Right. So they first have to buy into you as a person, as a personality. Right. And then once they buy into you, it's like, then you're then you're all guns a blazing at that point. You just keep on doing what you're doing. And I mean, in construction, it's always a different story. Like I've spoken to several landscape hardscaping guys. I've spoken to every single trade, like a few of them. I've spoken to lots of electricians, lots of plumbers, lots of GCs. I've spoken to and everybody's story is always different. We may swing the hammer the same way, but the story is always different. There's always different ways of doing it. And I mean, you talk about those flyers. It's funny, you're bringing me back. I'm like twice your age, easily twice your age. And I'm like, when I was a kid, I used to hand out flyers just to paint. I wanted to just get jobs and then I would just do a flyer and it was as silly as it was. I, I called my business Paint It Red and the flyer was red. And I, was, I had no thought process thinking, well, what if they want to paint it more than red? I go, oh, people are not that stupid. That's not like I only paint red rooms, right? But I was doing that. I was doing the flyers and handing them out. And just like you, I rolled it up and I put a band on it, man. I was just laughing my ass off there when you <laughs> tell me that story. And the thing is, like, did we do it knowing we were going to make so much money? No, we did it because we wanted to see the cause and effect of it. We wanted to see if I give out 100 flyers, maybe I get one or two calls. And it's the same thing with a podcast. If you start a podcast, I always told myself from day one, from the very first show, if one person listens, it's worth it. That's it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I've got a lot more than one, right? And it's just because of the people that I get on the show. And everybody's got their story. Everybody's got a unique way of how they built their business and how they continue to build their business. And I'm always fascinated about how it got started, how it's going. And my next question to you is like, like that's why I was joking about the golfing thing, right? Is like, where are you looking at when it comes to not necessarily the end, but at some point you got to look at your construction career, your landscaping career, and you're going to have to say one day goodbye to it. You're going to hand it off to somebody else. How do you see that happening in the future for you? It really just depends, man. Like I have so many business ideas, obviously as an entrepreneur, like with my social media and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, maybe one day, like I sell my CMG business. Um, I have plans of like, I want to be almost like a private equity amongst service-based businesses. So I want to build my audience. I have a coaching program now where I teach guys how to go from zero to a million per year in landscaping. So I want to step that up at some point and, and acquire their business and wrap it up and then maybe sell it. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about retirement, you know, I, I take my money that I make in my landscaping business and I invest it in real estate. I invest it in my Roth. I invest it in the stock market. Um, and so I always have that as a backup. Let's say something happens to my business. I could still feed myself and my bills based off of real estate and things like that. Dude, Chase, do people, I get this in, in Canada, uh, but do people in the States still look at blue collar workers as blue collar workers? Because I've always said they're not. I've always said that there's so much opportunity being attached to a stigma that's like a blue collar. But how is it in the States? It, it depends on where you're at, to be honest with you. Um, I think I think the stigma is still kind of there, right? Like, you know, it, it's still there. I mean, my, my county is majority corporate 
people. They're all cool. My parents are corporate. Everyone in my neighborhood growing up, they just were mo- mostly corporate people. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's like uh, like I you know I think the stigma's still there. But it's not, it's not like we're it's not like no sorry. Uh, it's just not like we're you know I think people are especially in this area they, their their heads are starting to turn because it's like all right, like that kid's just, they think I'm a landscaper that just mows lawns because they don't truly like know my story. And, and they're probably thinking like, how is this kid pulling up in a brand new C8 or, or buying these houses or doing this or flying private? And I think they're starting to realize like, you know, there's tons of opportunity in blue collar. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so I think in the back of their head subconsciously, like that level of like, oh, they're, they're the same. They're earning just as much as me or sometimes more. The, uh, you know, instead of doing a corporate job. You know how I look at it, Chase, is um, you look at any skyline to any city in any part of the world, those buildings that you see in that skyline, they all started with some person that started as a blue-collar worker. So it's like if you're a blue-collar worker and you're starting a business, whether it's like mowing lawns or whatever, and that's the beginning of your story, that's nowhere near the end of your story. So it's like, look at those buildings that you're walking through or flying over or what have you. And Blue Collar built that building. You know what I mean? And so you got corporations, big, big players. Like I started doing some research of my own and I started paying attention to some big construction companies and the numbers that are associated with those big construction companies. And I'm like, this is insane. Like these are huge numbers. And I'm telling you over and over, it's Blue Collar started. That's what it is, right? So when you, when I hear you talk about how you've got aspirations to get on to do this and do some coaching and try and all this stuff, I see it. I totally see it, right? And it's like anybody that works in construction, yeah, sure, you're in the you're in the shit right now. It's really hard. Mother Nature's beating you down. You're digging this hole. You're dealing with this. The skid skier is broken down. You know, like I, I ran late to get to work. Like all this stuff. That's just lessons, man. That's just lessons that you have to just really appreciate and look back and go, they were teaching me, man. It was just teaching me. And then it was just taking me to the next step. And that's it. The next step is that building that I'm going to be getting into an elevator one day that has my name on it. Like it could get to that point. That's how crazy a blue collar worker can become. That's just my opinion. I love, I love it, man. You're making me hungry. <laughs> No, so I'm like I'm I'm very respectful from what you got started with and how you built it and where you're headed to now and how you want to grow it. And I want people that listen to the show to understand that there's plenty of opportunity. Plenty of opportunity with this business. This in any business, in yeah. any service based business or any construction or what whatever you think is service based, uh, there's tons of opportunity. Did we cover everything, Chase? I mean, I, I, I'd love to just, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out what else you want to share about your businesses and what's going on, but I think we covered a bunch. I think, yeah, I think we covered a bunch, and I think, like, what you just said, Manny, five seconds ago about, like, like I'm in the grind, right? I wake up, I, I'm banging out emails, calls, and doing this, and running to this job site, or picking up chat, like, it's all part of the grind, and I, and I want guys that are maybe just starting out, like, realizing, like, it doesn't, it doesn't change. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, until you sell your business or hire the next person or something like that, you're, you're, you're always going to be grinding and stuff. So, um, but I love it. You know what I'm saying? I really do love it. I know your camera's got its mind of its own right now. I know. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Do you want to get to the 12? Okay. Let's all we got to do now is it to 12 questions, man. All right. Let me just, how does my camera, hold up. Let me just no, you can adjust it. No big thing. Just want to let everybody know. So we're talking to Chase Gallagher here from CMG Landscaping, cmglandscapes.com, landscapingcmg at gmail.com, and on IG, it's at cmg underscore landscape. All good? Uh, Yeah, how is that? Yeah, that's perfect. That's good. It's almost the same picture. Yeah. You ready for the 12 questions, Chase? Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. what everyday sound brings you joy? Everyday, like like a song? A sound. Everyday sound. Us. I would say just like um, waking up and going outside. And you, I don't know if you can hear them. They're like crickets, bugs. It's just the sound of Mother Nature. The cicadas? Is that what it is? <laughs> it's got to be cicadas. It's, yeah, the cicadas. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's your favorite beverage? Oh, I I have to say coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I I yeah, I look forward to like sometimes when I'm going to bed, I like look forward to getting up and like like my routine is I get up, go to the gym, and then I go and get my morning coffee and and like uh, I just that's my favorite, almost one of my favorite things to do. Any <laughs> any particular one? Iced coffee from Starbucks. That's it. What's your least favorite tool? Ooh. Probably the tree trimmers, like the extended pole uh, tree trimmers. Yeah, they're just a bad YouTube video on a just waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what turns you on creatively? Um, I would say like reaction or like social media. So like what turns me on is like I post a video, right? And it goes, it goes, doesn't go viral, but it gets way more views or a hundred thousand views, 50 K views. It's like, all right, well that worked. Let me see how I can like recreate that, but maybe a little bit differently. Awesome. What word or concept do you find overused these days? Mm, word or concept. I would say the word like. I'm a sucker for this. I've probably said it a dozen plus times in this. Like or um. And sometimes when I'm on my business, like, like vibe, I, I almost like stop my peers. It's like, stop saying um. Stop saying like. But I do it too. So we all do it. All you got to do is just be conscious of it. That's it. Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Uh, probably the F word. Okay. What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Any mode of transportation? Anything in the world? Anything. Any mode of transportation? Yeah, any, any say, type like, of vehicle. Goals, like, oh, vehicle? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Lamborghinis are cool. This is cool. Cars are cool. I'm more into jets. Like, I really love jets. And so that's what I'm into. I want like I want to get a, um, a Cessna jet. <laughs> is that easy to get? Like, is that like you just go to the jet store? No. Uh, not at all. Not at all. You got to get a jet broker. And then you got to, like, you know, like a beginner individual like myself. You got to know the scene and, and know how people can screw you. Just like any business, just like real estate. So, and then you got to obviously know the costs. You got to do all this stuff. That's just a whole, like a business deal or anything else. Yeah, that's a whole other world, man. I never even thought about it, man. Uh, what do you miss from your childhood? Mm, probably, uh, what do I miss? Just like going out of the beach with my family, you know, in the summertime and or something like that, you know. What term or phrase resonates with the core of who you are? Hustle hustle if you could master a skill outside of your expertise what would it be skill any like project management organization something like that okay if you could speak to any historical figure who would it be and what would you ask oh that's a good question I would probably, I would go to Albert Einstein. Okay. And I would ask, this might be, this might sound stupid, but I, I want to know if the guy's like really about it, like if he's truly smart. So I'd probably try and ask like some, like, uh, like a stupid question to check his vibe. <laughs> that makes sense. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Welcome. That's all he's got to say. That's all he's got to say. Chase, absolute yep. pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank you for having me, Manny. Thanks, man. It's been a blast having you. I just want to let everybody know again. Chase Gallagher here from CMG Landscaping, cmglandscapes.com, landscapingcmg at gmail.com, and also on social media at cmg underscore landscape. That's it, man. I think that's all of it. Yeah, and you can also uh, find me on Instagram at my personal Instagram, Chase underscore Gallagher, G-A-L-L-A-G-A-G-R. Uh, you can check out the life of Chase Gallagher. Where are you doing the do – you, have you set up the personal coaching as well too? Did, did you set up a YouTube channel for that? Uh, I have not set up a YouTube channel for that. That's just my personal brand, and okay. I promote that through my personal Instagram. 
and uh, Facebook and TikTok. And so if you guys are interested in how to scale a project-based landscape business past the million-dollar mark, you can go to my personal Instagram or TikTok, Chase underscore Gallagher. Click the link in my bio and um, apply. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Don't go anywhere. Uh, that's it. I think that's everything. We covered a bunch, man. I really appreciate it, Chase. Of course. Thanks, Angelina. We're out.